Well, listen, we're going to get into this today's message. As you know, our series, God With Us, it's an Advent series. Advent meaning celebrating the coming, the anticipation of something. And so this Sunday, the third Sunday here of Advent, we are talking about God With Us is Joy, um, which happens to be my middle name. Yes, I, don't, I used to hate that middle name when I was young. Of course, I wanted to be named Tiffany also when I was young. Any of y'all have some interesting names you wish, you know, you would pretend and tell new people that your name was something different? I wanted to be Tiffany, not Lindsay Joy. But my mother loves it. She's very proud of it. Joy being my middle name. Let me tell you something. Joy is one of those things that's kind of misunderstood at times, right? (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit about it today. I want to read this verse to you really quickly, um, and then we will pray and get started. Out of John chapter 16, verses 20 through 22. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that a child has been born to the world. So with you, now is the time of your grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we just thank you so much for you sending your son into the world, for your ultimate gift to us, your people, by sending your son here to be God with us. We thank you for that gift today. Lord, we thank you for hope and love and joy and peace that come through a Savior who was born for us. And so today, God, as we open your word, we just pray that you would illuminate it to us, reveal to us, and speak your truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. No one will be able to take away your joy. What a promise that is, right? What a promise that is. No one will be able to take away your joy. Don't you love that feeling of knowing that somebody, you have something and no one can take it away, right? It's it's yours. You own it. We talked about on the Sunday first Sunday of this series with hope, we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth a little bit. And, and just for a minute, just to remind you about Elizabeth, about a woman who, who her husband was a priest. They were the center of their community and a part of their community. And at this point in time, children were not only something that was desired, they were a sign of favor. They were a sign of God's favor on your life. And they were um, pretty most the most important thing at this point in time. And here is Elizabeth, and she cannot have a child. For years and years and years, she deals with the anguish of having a child. And I I have so many friends who have walked through that journey of not being able to have a child, who have dealt with that, and have seen the hardship that comes with that, that at first, as they begin to want and desire a child, well, maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe it's, it's going to happen. And then as time goes on, those struggles change and they become harder and harder and harder. And for so many of them, I've seen the, the blessings of, of them getting to that place where, where God does give them the answer to their prayer, right? Our, our pastors prayed for a long time for their children. And, and God blessed them with not just one, which was a miracle, but three. 
I have some friends that I know in Oklahoma who've been trying for a very long time. Just this week, they posted about how their years and years and years, over seven years of prayer, and now they are expecting their first child. What? Let me tell you, that's joy that spills over, right? This anticipation and desire for something. I've seen God answer that prayer of a desire for children coming through adoption, right? And God answers the desire of their heart. But let me tell you something. For Elizabeth... The years got longer and longer and longer, and there was not an answer. And then became the word barren. Man, barren, that she could not conceive. And what sorrow that must have brought to her life. What disappointment, and in the time in which she lived, disgrace and shame that that brought to her. And we know from the story, we know that God reveals to her husband, Zachariah, that she is going to conceive a child and not just any child, but the child who will pave the way for the coming Messiah. And in fact, when she becomes pregnant, she keeps it a secret. Can you imagine trying to keep that a secret? She kept it a secret. I'm horrible at keeping secrets. How many of you have already given somebody a Christmas present because you just could not wait, right? We have a Christmas cottage here at school, and one of our little girls, she bought her mommy a present, and as soon as she saw her mommy, she said, here, open your present, it's tea. (laughs) Like, she just could not wait, right? When we have that gift, man, we want to share it right away, but yet she kept it private. She kept it to herself for those five months, and then Mary comes to visit her, right? And Mary comes to tell her cousin Elizabeth about the child that she is now carrying. And it says that when Mary came, that the baby inside Elizabeth leapt with joy inside of her. And there in that moment was this overflowing of joy that came to both of them. And because of the miracle of that promise, joy, overwhelming joy was then brought to the world. And I think about the years and years that came before Elizabeth experienced that gift. That miracle that came to her, that joy that came. And I know, listen, that for so many of us, I know people who have struggled and they have never had a child. I know people who have prayed and sought God for a lifetime for things that they have not seen come to pass. And I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 11 where it begins to talk about our heroes of the faith and how they are rooting us on in heaven and how so many of them never saw here on earth the fulfillment of the promise of God. And yet they continued to walk forward with hope even though they never saw that promise fulfilled. And there are times and things where we pray and we seek God and we may not see here on earth the fulfillment of that promise. But then we, because of this great miracle, miracle because of the great joy that came to our earth, we will see the fulfillment of all of God's promises because of the joy and hope we have in an eternity with our Savior. And so if you have longed and prayed for something for so long, I want to tell you today, do not give up. Because while we may not see the fulfillment of God's promises always here, we will always see them because of the joy that comes in a Savior, Jesus Christ. So do not give up hope and do not lose joy today because you can possess the miracle and it's coming. 
So I want to talk to a little bit today about the possession of joy. Now, I want to be real honest for you. I was texting Haley last night, and I, we were talking about some things going on. A, a dear friend of ours has suffered a very kind of unexpected loss yesterday. I have some friends who have been in the process of adopting a sibling group. The matching Christmas pajamas arrived at her home yesterday, the same day that they were called and said that the foster family had decided to keep them. So these children that they had been preparing room for, for a year, are now no longer coming. And I thought, and I have to preach on joy tomorrow? I have to preach on joy? How? How do we have joy? And then I was reminded over and over again that happiness and joy are two separate things. Because happiness is something that happens to us. And joy is something that we possess and that lives inside of us and is not controlled or affected by what happens to us. So we can possess joy simultaneously within our grief and within our sorrow and within our struggle. And I was reminded... I'm going to cry preaching about joy, and that the way it goes? I was reminded of the first time in my life that I ever became aware of the fact that you could have grief and joy at the same time. I was 18, almost 18 years old, and my uncle and my aunt had a beautiful baby boy, and he passed away at five months old. And I was just overwhelmed with grief, right? And my uncle was a praise and worship leader, gifted praise and worship leader. And the Sunday after Jonathan passed away, my uncle stood up and he said these words, which have stuck with me my whole life. I may not have my son, but I will always have my song. And in that moment, at that very first time, God has reminded me over and over again that grief and joy can coexist That sorrow and pain and joy can coexist because sorrow happens to us and grief happens to us and pain happens to us. But joy does not happen to us. Joy is something we possess and it is with us always. And it is more than just a good meal or time with friends that is happiness. We all experience happiness, but joy is something that resides in us. And so we see joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? So what is joy? Joy is the Lord has come. So I want to talk about how we possess joy. I've got a couple of scriptures today. John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, it's where we're learning about the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, right? It says God is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. We are connected to the vine. And so we receive everything that we need from the vine because we are connected to it. In John chapter 15, verse 11, it says, I have told you this so that my joy, say that with me, my joy may be in you and that your joy, say that your joy may be complete. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now here is something that is very key and that's that word my Because Jesus is saying, is it your joy that completes you? Is it your happiness? Is it your experience that completes the joy in your life? No. It is 
his joy that is in us that completes our joy. It is what he connected to him, what he funnels to us through our connection to him that completes our joy. It is my joy in you that completes your joy, Jesus says to us. What is that joy? What is that joy? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible and glorious joy. Well, I read that and I thought, well, I think this is the answer. I'm not supposed to preach on this. You can't express it. You can't explain it. That sums it up, right? An inexpressible and glorious joy. Remember, happiness comes and goes, but joy is rooted in God with us. In that verse I read at the beginning, it says, you will grieve while the world rejoices, but yet your joy will come. Joy is not rooted in the things of this world. It is rooted in who we are connected to, and that is being connected to Jesus Christ. And one day we are going to experience the fullness of that joy, but for now we find it in what he has done and what he will do. That joy, we come and we know. It says that when Mary met Elizabeth, right, that the baby leapt inside of her. And then at that point, Mary actually sings a song of blessing about what God has done in both of them. And I am almost positive that Elizabeth was the first and maybe the only person at the time who had joy for Mary. Because remember, while we know Mary's story, while we understand it, while we accept it, in her time, she was a young unmarried woman who was pregnant. And she comes to her husband, and the joy inside Elizabeth recognized the Messiah inside of Mary, and it leapt within her. And Elizabeth knew, surely, this blessing you are carrying is the Messiah. And then we sing Mary, have a song of blessing, right? Because in that moment, nobody else may have understood, but Elizabeth connected with her and said, I know the miracle in me, and I know the miracle in you, and their joy connected and was overwhelming to them. And the circumstances on the outside of that did not look good. Let me tell you something. Your circumstances on the outside may not look good, and it may not make sense to other people what you are going through. And even the grief and the difficulties that you are going through to others on the outside, they may not understand how you can have hope in a season of sorrow, but they don't have to because, see, they're not connected. They don't have the same joy inside of them that you do. But this is how I know and I can have hope that when you're walking through hard things and I'm walking through hard things, it is the miracle inside me of salvation that connects to the miracle inside of you of salvation that helps us sing songs of praise and blessing to God in the face of whatever it is that we go through. 
I see the miracle in you. It's how we can have the courage in the face of the hard things to say, hey, I may not have this, but I have my song. I may not have this, but I possess a joy that is inexpressible and glorious and is rooted in a Savior that loves me. And I may not see the fullness of it here, but my hope and faith tells me that I will see the fullness of it on the other side of this place. So I can possess the joy of the Lord even when my hands are empty. I possess in my spirit that which cannot be held on the outside of me. I possess a joy that is rooted in Jesus Christ and is not rooted in my circumstance. I possess the joy of the Lord. It is mine to hold, and so it will be my strength. In Nehemiah 8.10, they are building the walls. Everybody is tired and worn out. I understand them. If you set up the curtains in this church, you understand what it means to be building the walls to be tired and need refreshment. And Nehemiah says to them, go get something to drink and eat. Go get a donut and some coffee. But then come back because we have to finish, right? And he says to them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because, see, the joy of the Lord is this possession that helps us to see the big picture. Joy knows That God is at work even in the hard and that eventually it will all be all right, healed, and whole. Joy sees the big picture. Joy has the blueprint. Joy has the faith to trust, to know that while I'm plugging through and I'm working through, man, there is going to be joy on the other side of it. When you're a woman and you're pregnant and morning sickness happens and you are about to lose your mind, may not have been your experience, definitely mine, You are reminded, right, of the joy that will come at the end of this process, right? For some of you whose children are teenagers, you are reminded of the joy that too will come at the end of this process when they are grown, (laughs) right? Everything, we, we see, we walk through processes and we know that the end and the good thing is coming. And so when we are plodding through this life, when we are walking through, when we are building things that people can't see, because let me tell you, building children, people don't see the work that goes into it, but you are building something. You're not just raising children, you are building children. You are building something. Let me tell you something. We are building a church. We are building something that God has for us. And it takes work. And some days it's discouraging. You are building a financial future as you are plodding through, paying down debt and working on hardship. You are building something. And in the middle of building, we can get weary. And we can, let me tell you, you're building a marriage. And marriage is difficult at times. Nobody may see what it is you're working towards, but you're building something. But joy has the eyes to see the end and the full vision and the hope for the future. And so the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my hope and my strength. I have lost, but I know the joy of the Lord has for me beyond whatever I could ask or think or imagine. And so I have joy deep within me. 
We may not have an Elizabeth moment. We may not feel like we've ever had that moment. And I was reading through some little excerpts, and they were using examples that I almost couldn't bring myself to use, right? How you feel joy when you have someone who has been bound to cancer, and then they are healed and whole. And for me, I felt like, man, I don't want to use that example, Because this year, I've seen someone I love racked with cancer who did not get healed on this side of heaven. And so, where is the joy in that? And then I'm reminded that he is healed and whole and awaiting us in heaven. And so, I have joy because my joy tells me that this life isn't all there is. And eternity will come. And he is there awaiting us. And there is hope to be had. My joy sees the bigger picture of God's plan and has trust in God even though what is right in front of me may not be all it needs to be or I want it to be. Joy says there is a bigger picture. And our Elizabeth moment, our barren and broken and forsaken and shamefulness that we experienced came when Jesus died on the cross. That was the very moment that our barrenness our brokenness, our unfruitfulness, our lost selves were given birth and new life through Jesus on the cross. And so you may feel today, where has been my miracle? Where did my good thing come? When did I experience the magical Elizabeth moment? You experienced it over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ got on that cross and when he died for your sins and when he set himself up to take every brokenness and every piece of shame upon himself so that you would never have to experience a life without Jesus Christ. That was the moment that the miracle came to your life That was the moment that your barrenness became no more. That was the moment when the fruits of the Spirit were made available to you. That is the moment when the fullness of life came and when the joy of the Lord was made complete in you was the moment that Jesus went on that cross. Remember, he said, my joy in you is your joy. Last verse I want to read today is Hebrews Chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, He endured the cross. He endured the cross for what? What was his joy? His joy is that we would be saved. That we would have the hope and promise of eternity. The joy that was set before him was not only the reunion between him and his father as he would sit down at the right hand of the father. But the joy that set before him was that he would be able to make a way for you and I to know God and to experience God and to experience and know salvation and joy and hope and a love that goes beyond 
beyond the constructs of this physical world. He went and he endured it. And the joy that was set before him was the joy of you and I being saved and forever with him. He endured it. So the joy, his joy that he puts inside of us is that same joy. Joy is not the promise of no sorrow. We see Job, you read the book of Job, man, what sorrow he went through. We see David go through sorrow. Even Jesus was a man of sorrows. He lost, he wept, he chose to endure the cross. What pain and hardship and sorrow for him to endure for ultimately us to be able to possess a joy and a hope for eternity. It's the promise of God with us now and forever. In Psalms 51.2, it says, David prays, create in me a clean heart, O God. And him, he says, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see, his salvation wasn't taken away, but the joy of it was. David had made some mistakes, big ones. He had screwed up royally. But it was not his salvation that was in question. It was his joy that had been taken. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And let me tell you something. Life loves to dim out the joy of our salvation. Experiences come and we experience a kind of pain at times that there does not seem to be any cure for, no medicine for, no fix for the kind of pain that we can experience. But there is the joy of the Lord that says God is with me. God is with me. There is healing and there is wholeness that will come. I can have faith now. I can experience joy now. And I will truly experience it without exclusion in heaven with Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage you today that if you have walked far from God, if you have made choices that have led you from a path of following after Jesus Christ, that he wants you to know today that he has not left you, that his salvation has not left you, but he wants the joy of your salvation to return, the joy of following the Lord with everything that is within you, the joy of knowing and trusting in God, the joy that comes in walking in his plans and purposes. Because let me tell you something, walking in his path is much more joyful than walking in the world's path. And they can even seem to mirror each other at times, but there is a difference. When I walk without God, there is no joy for me there. But when I walk with God, no matter what I walk through, the joy of the Lord will be my strength. 
And so David prays and he says, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And whether you have made choices that have led you far from God recently or life and its hardships and its struggles and its problems have worn you down to where you feel so distant and so broken and heart sick and overwhelmed, today God wants you to know I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. There is neither height nor depth, nothing that can tear you away from the love of God. And today, no matter what you are facing, he wants to restore to you the joy of your salvation. And if you need forgiveness, ask for it. And if you need hope, ask for it. And if you are lost and you need light, ask for it. But right now, God wants you to know whether you have wandered away from him or whether hardship and life has worn you down, he wants to restore to you the joy of your salvation. In Psalms 126, it says, Those who go out weeping and sow return with sheaves and songs of joy. Those who go out with weeping and sow return with joy and songs. And I feel as though so many of us have walked out and sown tears of sorrow and grief. And we have carried And we have planted our sorrows at the foot of the cross. And we have buried them there. And we have planted our seeds of mourning. And we have been so overwhelmed by the sorrows that we have had to carry. And God wants you to know that there will still be sorrow and there is still hardship. But what you have sown in weeping, he will bring you joy. Not just little bits of joy, but sheaves of joy, loads of joy, a harvest of joy. So my prayer is we have lost, but we have more coming to us in joy. Let me tell you something. There are prodigals that are on the verge of crossing a threshold into Jesus Christ. And when they return, there will be a return of joy. For the things we have sown in sorrow, we will reap in joy. For the hardships you have placed, God will bring you joy in it. He is inexpressible, unexplainable, glorious joy. It's not about bounding around cheesy with smiles on our faces throwing confetti. I often felt that my middle name did not match my disposition. Some of you are laughing because you know me for a long time, okay? Joy literally is my middle name, but figuratively has not always seemed to fit. (laughs) Joy is not something where it is about how many smiles and hearts and rainbows you have following you. Joy is a sense of knowing God is with me now and forever. My eternity is secure in heaven. Everything that has been broken on earth, God restores to me. 
Everything that I have lost, God returns to me sevenfold. Everything, every tear, every sorrow that has poured out of my eyes and out of my heart, I have sown in sorrow, I will reap in joy. Everything that has been taken from me, I will regain in joy. And so I may not walk around here with butterflies floating over my head like a Snapchat filter, but I walk around here with a confidence and a strength and a courage that says, I have the strength and the courage to be joyful in the face of hardship because I am so connected with Jesus the vine and he, I am so connected with him that he fuels me with joy that carries me through each and every day and the hard days he pushes me through and he is with me and I am surrounded by people who when I walk to them, the miracle of salvation in me connects with the miracle of salvation in them and the joy of the Lord leaps within us. There is no greater joy inside of us than to know the people we love have come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when I see someone who has been far from God rise up and have the joy of the Lord in them, how it leaps inside of me. Let me tell you, we are coming to a day we have sown in tears. We will reap in joy. We will reap. I know what that that feels like with that feeling in that pit of our stomach when something is lost. And then that feeling of something is gone and it is being born. I'll embarrass Jacob because he doesn't care and he doesn't have a choice. But Jacob had a, a radical salvation experience. Jacob was a young man that we had prayed for, believed God for, saw the call of God on his life when he didn't so much as see God and believed the call and purpose of God on his life and prayed fervently for him. And I will never forget the day that Sam Varghese called me and he said, I'm telling you, Miss Haley, but don't tell Jacob because he's going to tell you himself. And I was like, what? And he said, Jacob got saved last night. I thought, are you serious? And he's actually going to tell us about it? Okay, I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything, right? And I remember Jacob saying, Miss Lindsay, can we take a walk? And as we walked around this building, and I could see a physical difference in him. Because see, the moment that we began to walk around this building, you see the miracle of salvation that was inside of me recognized the miracle of salvation that was in him. And my spirit leapt with joy within me to know that now we both knew the Messiah was coming. And let me tell you something today. I see joy in him and purpose in him and a future in him. I have seen him counsel other young men and encourage them that God will get them through it. I have seen him tell them not to give up and to have hope and joy in the Lord. And every time the joy of the Lord revs up inside of me to say, I have seen and recognized the miracle of Jesus Christ. If you are feeling discouraged today, look around you. There are people here who the miracle of the salvation of Jesus Christ is inside of them. Do not become numb to that churning spirit of joy inside of you that sees miracles taking place. This tiny little 
church has raised almost $4,000 to help people this Christmas. Let me tell you something. There were people who thought when we closed the doors on 1340 that we were done. But yet I see the miracle of God and the miracle of salvation of Jesus Christ. It sees the miracle work in each and every one of you. And joy leaps inside of me to know that there is a joy unspeakable, unexplainable that we possess. Look around you and see the miracle. Look around you and see the joy. And sometimes we have to fight for it. Sometimes we have to fight. And so today, we are going to pray. And I'm going to ask you today that if you are struggling to have hope, and joy. And let me tell you, in this season, it can be difficult. Oh, very difficult. If you are struggling to have joy inside of you, today, the Lord wants to return to you the joy of your salvation. Because while you may not get back that which you have sown in sorrow, you can reap in the joy of your salvation. I serve a Savior who loves me so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And he endured that cross because of the joy set before him that I would come to know him, that I would experience a Savior who loves me, that I would never be separated from the kindness and goodness of God. So right now, all of this place, Lord, we just bow our heads before you. God, we come before you with our open hearts, Lord. And there are so many here today, God, who have sown tears upon tears. They have sown in grief. They have sown in hardship and difficulty, God. They have sown in weeping. But, Lord, we cling to your word in John 16 that says, You have given us a joy that no one can take away from us. No one can take it away from us. Lord, right now, all across this room, there are people who need you to restore to them the joy of their salvation, that need for you to bring them songs of joy. Right now, Lord Jesus, in this season of Advent, we thank you for the coming Messiah who has come and who will come. And Lord, while we are here on this earth awaiting the arrival of your Messiah again, God, we pray and we ask that the joy of the Lord would rise up inside of us and overflow out of us. That people would look at us and say, how can you walk in strength and joy with what you have faced? And we can assuredly say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It strengthens me and carries me. I have a hope in Jesus Christ that is inexpressible and glorious. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a verse to you today. It is my favorite verse. Out of Ecclesiastes. chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. 
There is a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear down and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has set the joy of eternity in our hearts. And while we have wept and while we have laughed and while we have torn down and while we have built up, he has made everything beautiful in his time. And that is the joy of the Lord to know that there is beauty in all we have lost. We thank you, Lord, and I pray today that joy wells up inside of us as we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.